message from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go C1. As you guys are all standing on your feet, we're actually going to stand so that we can read scripture together. So if you have your Bibles with you, just go ahead and turn, turn uh, to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11. And we're going to just start by reading this scripture. I'm excited. I love the Bible. We gave away, I think, like 50 Bibles. We have got to order some more. And uh, we're, we're just a church that loves scripture. We love the Bible. And uh, we're just going to jump into it today. I'm so excited about this new series. Uh, and so before I start foaming from the mouth and screaming and all that, let's just, let's just start with Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11. The mouth of a good person is a deep, life-giving well. But the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. So before you're seated, turn to the person next to you and say, don't cuss from your cave. Until you turn to the other one and say, don't cuss from the cave, okay? <laughs> you guys can be seated. You know, if you're a first-time guest, there's a part of me that does feel a little sorry for you because this is a weird experience for some, especially if you've never been to a church like V1. But you should be comforted by knowing that I am the lead pastor and I've never been to a church like this. You know, we're on a journey to listen to God and do what he says and follow after his voice and not just the religions and traditions of man, but to actually hear from God and what he's saying and go after his voice and what he has for New York right now. And uh, we're in this series, Curse Words, and the mouth of a good person is a deep life-giving well, but the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. Man, some of us in this room have been abused by words. I want to tell you a quick story about how I did a little bit of, now let, I'm just going to start by saying this, where I come from, we don't say curse, we say cuss. Anyone else here say cuss? Okay, I'm clearly in the minority. <laughs> My wife and, and Evan were like, you, you, you got to say curse words because it's not hillbillyville here. So we say cuss, and I was raised in a home that even though it was a tragic home full of a lot of darkness, it was like we did almost every other sin except for cursing. It was like, okay, we can totally abuse drugs, but we're not going to say the F-bomb here. And I really learned how to cuss when I was in elementary school. I don't know where, where you learned how to curse. Some of you guys, that may have been your first word, depending on what your house was like, right? And it's funny because even this whole curse words thing, I had so many New Yorkers were like, is he going to talk about how it's evil to say curse words because he's going to take away 40% of my vocabulary. And I don't know if I can attend a church where I can't cuss. You know, and it's not really about that. We're going to talk about the things that come out of our mouth that curse our lives. Okay. And I'm not after the F word or the B word or the D word or whatever word you think I'm coming to take away from you today. I'm after the things that you release out of your mouth that are literally building chains that are around your neck and strangling the life out of the vision for what God has for you and you're cursing yourself. So this is gonna be an amazing series, but for me, my first experience was actually at elementary school watching all these hood rat kids because I was kind of raised in this like the other side of the tracks. And they were, you know, I learned some words from them and it looked like they were having so much fun saying these words that I was like, man, I got to try those words out. I'm, this is actually what I, I remember thinking this through. I was probably like seven or eight years old. And so I get home that day and this one particular day and this guy comes walking down the street 
And I'm like, I'm going to cuss this guy out. This is what I thought in my seven or eight year old brain. Like, I'm going to try all these words I've been learning at my hood rat school and out because I'm going to do hood rat stuff now. <laughs> like how I said that in like a preacher voice. I'm going to do hood rat stuff. And so I fling the door open. I said, hey, you, F you. And the guy's like, what? <laughs> this little seven or eight year old kid. And then I started unloading like every word I learned on this guy. And at first it, his disbelief turn, it turned into rage. He was stunned at first, like, is this really happening? Am I really getting cussed out by a little kid? And then I, his face turned to like, I want to kick him now. <laughs> and I, all of a sudden I felt, that, felt this tap on my shoulder and it was my mom and she had been witnessing this entire thing. And you better believe I got lit up. It was not a timeout. That was not a timeout situation. Actually, have you ever seen that movie where the mom puts the bar of soap, the Christmas story? That, that's what she did. She literally, but see, she used dishwashing detergent. That was like one of those, see, you know, you know it's wrong. See, all of you guys, you knew that that was deadly, potentially deadly, could have ruined my career as a speaker. <laughs> I threw up violently after that. I mean, that was like, this is why this memory is permanently sealed in my mind. But, and you know, I have to say after that, and maybe that's like the root of why I never became one of those guys who curses like a sailor. Maybe it was because I, I had the taste of vomit so strong in my mouth from that experience that I was like, I probably should just never do that again. <laughs> but, you know, the thing about it is this, we have these experiences, all of us, where we learn words and we begin to entertain the usage of these words and different words feel better or worse to us. And so we, we get into the habit of using different phrases. Different families have words that they use that are specific to their family. Like, for example, in, in Julie's family, family that um, pacifier is called a ninny. So when we got married and they'd be like, oh, do you want a ninny? I was like, what, is, what are you gonna do to this child? <laughs> Do you want a ninny? But it was like we called it a pacifier or a passy, you know, and so different families have these different words. And depending on where you come from, you have also learned some words that have literally entrapped you. You've learned some ways of talking and understanding your life and the world that have actually been things that you need to unlearn. So is there anyone here today who's willing to unlearn with me today? Okay, so Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, if you're taking notes in your V1 notebook that we have, you can write this down. It says, the more talk, the less truth. The wise measure their words. Let me just pray real quick before we continue. Father, I thank you for this message today. It's the foolishness of preaching that will bring such a radical life change that couldn't happen any other way. Lord, it's your words that we're after today. We want you to imprint them on our heart, engraft them in our heart, seal them in our lives, Father, so that we can continue to become more like you and more of what you've destined us to become. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The title of this message today, if you're taking notes, is actually Killed by Commentary. Killed by Commentary. Man, I set this Facebook post up and there were some phrases and it was kind of a, it was a setup. It was a setup. And, and on basically the Facebook post, I asked the question, what are some words or phrases that you are just tired of hearing? And 230 something comments later, we generated a top list right now, which we're gonna kinda get this out of the way. 
It's just the first part of our series. These are some words and phrases people are done hearing, okay? So before we take it deeper in scripture, let's just go ahead and break this down. Right now, we are done hearing bay. It's over. We're retiring the word bay, which does mean before anyone else, if you have ever wondered what it means. And, and I love the word bay. And, I, and privately, behind closed doors, I will continue to call Julie my bay. We are done with the word lit. We could even add to that lit fam. It's, see, <laughs> this is a generational thing because people are like, I didn't even know what it meant. <laughs> I can't even be sick of it. That was lit. That message was lit, Pastor Mike. Something that we're also done with is that phrase. Some of you, I say this a lot. I'm guilty. It is what it is. I said that 18 times this morning. Pastor Mike, we broke a cable. It is what it is. The Guitar Center don't open this early. Here's another one, just saying. You ever have someone put a knife right in your heart and go, just saying, <laughs> right? Or they go to give you a hug and put that knife right in your back and they go, just saying. <laughs> Am I the only one? Here's another one, and this is gonna be our Father's Day message, so you have to come back for this one. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. No, 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 not at V1 Church, boys will be men. Is that all right? Boys will be men. So bring them back for Father's Day and we'll preach them down and build them back up. <laughs> and here's the last one that people seem to be unanimous about, honestly. It's like, if you've got to put that little tag on the front of it, is it even a tr true statement anymore? Honestly, honestly. Or maybe that's you giving yourself permission to say something hard to somebody because you don't have the guts to just deliver it like Chef Ramsey does. So you say, well, honestly, I didn't like that song they played. Well, the song wasn't for you. We were playing it for Jesus, okay? Darian likes that. I always hear Darian laugh over the crowd when I say the real truth shanks. <laughs> Here's Proverbs 17, 27 through 28. Before we read that though, when I set up that Facebook post, what I was after is this. And it was a true thing that I discovered in my research, my scientific research on Facebook, is that I could get on a post, and, and I am not famous, I was able to get 237 responses when I asked people, what phrases are you tired of hearing? Now, if I would have asked the question, what phrases do you need to stop saying, I would have got 10. We need to have as many filters for what we say as we do for what we want to hear. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get a well? Amen. You got to do your head. Well, <laughs> we have to have as many filters for what we say as we do for what we want to hear. You shouldn't have more preferences about the music you want to listen to than the curses coming out of your own mouth. And it's like everyone's down on metal, you know, and they're down on these different genres, but then they've got curses coming out of their mouth. I'm like, I got to put an explicit label on your forehead, not the CD. You can burn the CD, should we? Never mind. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 17, verses 27. You guys are too much fun. The one who knows much says a lot. And they keep rambling and talking a lot because they know a lot. No, the one who knows much says little. An understanding person remains calm. 
even dunces, and dunces is the biblical way of people saying people who um, are stuck on stupid, who keep quiet, are though are thought to be wise. As long as they keep their mouth shut, they're smart. There's some wisdom here that that God wants to transmit to you today. It's basically this: even if you are stupid, let's just say you are, you can appear smart as long as you keep your mouth closed. I used to have a teacher in high school who said you would rather be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all their doubt. And here's the other thing I want to say, and this is kind of like a, a maxim. You have two ears and one mouth because we're supposed to listen twice as much as we're supposed to talk. And some of us in, in this room right now, and some of you listening to the podcast right now, need to learn in this season of your life how to listen because God is yelling and screaming through accountability in your life through leaders in your life through scripture through through the podcast through all these different avenues the truths you need to finally get free but it is impossible to talk and listen at the same time and so there is a wisdom in saying the one who knows much says little so some of us in this room have relatives that need to learn this lesson. Am I right? We've got some relatives who never shut up. You go over to their house and they continue to talk to you. And then, and then when you get up to use the bathroom, they follow you to the bathroom to continue to talk to you. And they need this lesson. Take Solomon's advice when he said that you've got to learn how to listen. The reason why a human being has those two ears is by design. And, and it's funny because it's one of those gifts that's not elevated as much in the, in the church. We don't elevate listening, right? Like we don't have a ministry of listeners. We have a ministry of noisemakers. How loud can Mike scream on the microphone? You're in. How loud can you play the guitar and worship and belt that note out? You're in. And we've really elevated the noisemakers in the kingdom of heaven. But I believe that what I want to happen here in this house is to say, there's a ministry of listeners. There's those who have been graced in life to open both their ears and say, I'm, all, I'm listening. I'm, I'm here. I'm responding by listening. According to scripture, there is a direct correlation between how much someone talks and how little they know. Imagine with me right now this. Now, this is kind of like, <laughs> I want you to go there with your, with your imagination. This might be a nightmare to some of you. But imagine in your mind, all of a sudden, you hear a car roll up to your house or your apartment. And you look out the shades and you see it is Jesus in a Prius. I don't know what he would drive. I really don't. I imagine it would be something like that. <laughs> He'd be like, I made this earth. I'm trying to minimally impact it, okay? Like, I made this whole thing. I'm trying to keep it together. So Jesus shows up in his Prius, and he gets out of the car, or his Kia Sportage, and he gets out of the car, and you see him coming towards your house. What is your first response? What is the thing that you're like, I've got to, I've got to start cleaning my house. I've got to, oh, man, I've got this, I've got weed in the other room that I never got rid of because I just went to church once and had this little pray, prayer I prayed, but I'm still kind of battling with that thing, you know? I've got I've to clear all the search history on my phone before Jesus gets into my house because he might ask to use my phone and that would be really awkward, right? Like imagine Jesus is literally on his way into your house right now and you're in the inside watching this happen. What do you do? 
What do you do? You know, we have this story in scripture and it's a famous story. I'm gonna take you there now. It's a story about these two women who have this situation and how they responded is immortalized in scripture for all of us to see because it was so important to know what is the right response when Jesus shows up to your house. And you know, maybe he's not showing up in the flesh to your house today, but you know that Jesus is invading your space right now. You're in church and he's showing up right now into your life. Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Man, it's such an awesome story. It says this, as they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting him. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. Man, she was bossing Jesus. And the master, Jesus, said this, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and it won't be taken from her. Man, this is such a powerful picture of what happened when Jesus showed up. And we're talking about cuss words. We're talking about curse words this morning. And the thing that I want to kind of show you in this story is that when Jesus showed up, the one was like, but I've got all this stuff on my list to do and I'm gonna do it. And I think in a, in a sense, I'm even gonna try to show Jesus how diligent I am by knocking this whole list down. And the other one said, my only prerogative is to sit at Jesus' feet and listen. And I'm not gonna make it about my list. I'm not gonna make it about what I think should be done, but rather I'm gonna get down on my knees and just begin to hear from the master who's here right now. And you know, in this room, there are some Marthas and there are some Marys. And you know, I actually ask God as I begin to write this message, please do not make me say the Martha and Mary story because I feel so much like I have been the wrong character in this story in the last couple weeks in my personal life. Because we can get so good at thriving off of the addiction of accomplishment that we forget that the greatest accomplishment in your life will be the moment where you sit at your father's feet and begin to listen to his words of affirmation and peace to your soul. And especially in a place where we're so success driven that we're like, I'm doing this. And, and something just hit me so hard when I looked at this story. It, and I want to read it to you right now. It says, it said this, but Martha was pulled away. Everyone say that phrase, pulled away. What is pulling you away this morning? What is pulling you away from the peace that's waiting at Jesus' feet? What distractions in your life are pulling you away? You know, maybe it's your phone that continues to pull you away from that place of security, sitting at his feet. Maybe it's alcohol keeps drawing you away and pulling you away from that place. For her, it was these jobs and these tasks. And I imagine she had her entire identity just rolled up in those things. And this, this is a thing that hit me so hard. It said this, she interrupted them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? How many of us have interrupted Jesus in the last week with our own priorities? 
It, it's like I can imagine that, that we build our own little life and we say, I don't care what God says about this place I work, I wanna work there. I don't care about this relationship that I'm in, I wanna go in that relationship. I don't care about this and this and this I'm gonna do, I wanna go to this school. And we choose all our own priorities, we choose all our own work, we choose all our own existence, and then when it gets too hard and we feel like we're doing it all alone, we interrupt Jesus and his will and what he's doing, and we say, Master, don't you even care about this mess in my life? Man, okay, nobody's laughing anymore. <laughs> Insert joke here. But I feel like you don't wanna come here and just hear another TED talk. You want to hear the words of God. Am I right? And the word of God is sharp and it's deeper when it cuts in your heart than a surgeon's scalpel and it begins and it begins to go in and do surgery on your heart. And there's somebody here that needs to know that you've prioritized like the wrong character in this story. You can't keep interrupting Jesus to save you from things he never assigned to you. Oh, can I say that again? For the note takers in the room, you cannot keep interrupting God's will to save you from something he never assigned to you. Martha, dear Martha, Mike, Pastor Mike, Pastor Mike, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. How degrading. Her entire existence was built up in cleaning that kitchen and doing that work and stewarding that house. And Jesus sums up all her entire existence and all her doing and all her striving in one word. You know what the word was? Nothing. How degrading, right? Or how liberating. Some of you in this place would be offended if I told you you're getting worked up over nothing. What, you're calling my job nothing? You're calling my bills nothing? You're calling my relationships nothing? Well, who assigned it to you? Oh, man. Church attendance is zero next week. <laughs> Here's the freeing, liberating moment in this message. It's that because Jesus is still speaking the truth, there's still time for you to take the true assignment. Because Jesus is still speaking and still trying to give you the truth for your life, you can accept it and say, I'm gonna get off this thing that I've been fussing about and I'm gonna go sit down at the feet of the master and just begin to receive. And you know, I had to live this message out this week and it was so hard and I cried like a baby before God because I was studying for this message and I was like, God, I wanna know that we kicked this series off right and, and how do I do that? And he was like, you've gotta give them Martha and Mary. And I was like, no, because <laughs> I know who I am in that story. But then the grace came when he said, it's time to change which role and which character you're playing in that story. Come sit at my feet. And I begin to just sit at the feet of God. And I begin to just open up my ears and say, whatever you have to say, say it. And let me read this to you. This is verse 42. One thing only is essential. Can you say essential? Essential. You know, it's like right now, my phone crashed last week because of that new iOS update. And do you know that after it crashed, I begin to evaluate how essential is this phone? I don't even know how to get around in New York without it, right? And there's these things in our life that we're constantly like, what's essential? Like, I definitely need unlimited data on this phone. That is essential. Anyone else? 
You're like, I watch way too much Netflix to be on a limited data plan. And we have these things like, I need to get a new shirt. I need, I need, I need this, Pastor Mike. You don't understand, this is essential. And Jesus is here telling us what is essential. Only one thing is essential. And Mary has chosen it. Now, here's the thing about Mary. In this whole story, we don't have any truth bombs from her. We don't have any mic drops from her. But do you know what makes Mary exceedingly wise? She didn't talk. She listened. Only one thing was essential, and Mary chose it. It's the main course. It's not the dessert to get down on your knees and the little cherry on top like, oh, look, I'm going to pray with God and spend some time with him for a little bit this week. That's not the bonus. That's the main thing. And if your priorities don't reflect that, you're missing what's essential. Because once you get what's essential, you can build everything else around it. And when you put what's first, first, everything else falls in line. And that is what God is calling us to do in this place today. Martha didn't offer Jesus her ear. She offered her opinion. An opinion never built anything. You know, good marriages aren't built on opinion. They're built on action. I can tell my family I love them. I love you. I love you. I'm overseas right now, but I love you. I haven't paid any of the bills, but I love you. You guys are poor and destitute and fatherless, but I love you. But when I walk it out, I can say so little those words, but say so much in my actions, and I've done what's essential. I've begun to operate in the fullness of it. And I don't want to be a church that just gives our opinion. Oh, I'm just going to give our opinion. I want to be a church that, that gives our ear, that listens to the world, that says, man, I'm, I'm not trying to shove Jesus down your throat. I'm not trying to give you another religious program. I just want to listen to you right now. I want to hear you right now. God, I'm not going to tell you what I think about this region and what I think about my family and what I think about my job because you know what? That is such a limited understanding of what it even is. I'm going to sit and listen for your revelation, for your truth and what you have to say. Is there someone here this morning who's going to get free from cussing, from cursing in your life? Is there someone here who can say that I don't want to be the person who's interrupting Jesus and his perfect will and missing everything that God has for my life? You know, here's the thing that I was dwelling on a lot this week when you look at Martha and Mary, is that what happens is that we, we talk so much and our words actually begin to stack up these walls and we become shrouded and hidden in the words that we've built around ourselves. And we create this phenomenon where we talk so much and yet we are known so little. Like we speak so many words to friends and we live in this era where we're texting and we can slam it and drop it and we can you know text with color and words and we can snap you with an image and a picture and we can animate it and we can do all these different ways to communicate and yet we feel lonelier, lonelier and known less than we did before and we live in such a world of isolation that has literally the the words that we speak have built up walls around us even though we pretend like they're words to explain and words to understand and something that I never, ever, ever want to do is this. I never want to tell God the truth about a thing. I want God to tell me the truth about a thing. Because as long as you kind of have a monopoly on it in your own mind, you're holding back his opinion. 
And when you look at Martha and Mary, you see this, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing too much. But she had this opinion. She said, see that one on the floor listening to you? What's wrong with her? You see that? Like, shouldn't she be doing this? She had her own opinion about how it should be and was missing the master in the room right there. And I'll tell you what, we're not going to be a church built on opinion. We're not going to be a church built on the things that we heard from yesterday and the families that we were raised in because it's time to unlearn and shed those things off. You know, I want to I say this, like, and, and you don't have to raise your hand and, and bust yourself out, but is there anyone in the room whose mind literally never stops talking? And you just feel like your mind is racing and it's on repeat and it's like over and over. It's the same thoughts. It's the same ways of thinking. It's the same opinions about the same things. And you're just caught in this repetition in your mind. I can imagine that what was happening in that kitchen that day was, I got to clean the kitchen. I got to clean the kitchen. I got to clean the kitchen. That's what I do. I do the kitchen. That's who I am. Kitchen, 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 kitchen. And while that repetition in the mind was happening, the master of the universe, the one that could give her eternal life, the one that can pour out all the freedom she ever needed was sitting in the room but she couldn't access it not because he wasn't talking but because she wouldn't listen in order to break a cycle there first has to be a moment of impact to stop the revolutions and some of you are spinning and spinning and spinning and the moment of impact is something that I want you to encounter this morning because there's got to be a violent a violent interruption literally like a car crash in your mind where God just stands in the way and allows all of your thoughts and all those racing thoughts to just slam up against his presence like a violent crash and cease and say stop and all of a sudden as it stops you begin to hear the voice of the Lord you know people who tell me I have such a hard time hearing the voice of God are often the people who talk the most the people who are just like, Pastor Mike, I feel like I can't hear God's voice. I read the word. I, I know he's speaking in scripture. It doesn't come alive to me. It's because when they sit down to read the word, it's their own voice that they're listening to. It's their own voice and their own opinion that they're offering up. And it's time to say, stop. Stop cursing. Stop releasing those thoughts in your mind and out of the dark cave, the dark, abusive cave of your mouth and allow God to begin to speak the reality of what it is. Here's the thing. At this church, we go for the root. At this church, we, we rip the root out. We're not playing games. I consider it a bad Sunday if you walk out here the same way that you walked in and there's somebody in this place whose mind has not been able to stop and yet God wants to interrupt it right now to give you what's essential, to give you what's first, to give you what you truly need, which is just to find rest at his feet. And then from there, now here's the thing I want to say for those of you who are like, yeah, but Pastor Mike, that sounds great, but not all of us get paid to just sit at Jesus' feet. Yeah, that, that sounds good, but not all of us can actually survive off of just spending all morning in prayer because we have priorities. No, I'm not saying that that was a permanent place at Jesus' feet, but it was definitely a destination that one chose and one didn't choose. You don't stay at Jesus' feet, but you have to go back to that place repeatedly so that everything else you do is aligned after that moment. 
And what I'm telling you here today is that when you choose to come to church and you're like, I'm going to start my Sunday, which is the first day of the week at Jesus' feet, hearing what he has to say to me, when you get up off your knees and you begin to go through your week, I promise you, you will see another reality begin to happen in your life. And so I'm just going to ask you if you just stand to your feet with me right now. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.